We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast coming at you on a friday we told you we'd go five for five this week we did it and we are ending the week with a banger first and foremost got coming up um in my mind he is the most famous nick fan you could give me your your spike lees your your chris rocks your ben stillers whoever um i want my rolling stone tv critic um he is uh the the absolute master of the tank gif, even though he has not had a chance to use it this year. Uh, Alan Seppenwall, he's coming up. He's going to give us a few minutes on the Knicks and uh, some Sopranos um, Knicks front office comparisons. Stay tuned for that. And then after that, the, the, the bulk of our episode, myself, um, Bernardo Zaraski, who you have heard on this podcast several times before, um, talking about all sorts of things. Um, he's going to give us a, a little bit of a sabery perspective um, on the Knicks upcoming playoff series with the Hawks uh, with, of course, producer extraordinaire, uh, Andrew Claudio, who hates all things saber. Um, and so we um, have a fun discussion amongst the three of us. And that is it. Um, before we get to the episode, though, a couple of notes. One, um, we I'm actually re- recording this intro uh, after we recorded our conversation. Um, so a little bit of news, some Knicks have been announced in some awards, uh, finalists, uh, top threes. So Tibbs top three for coach of the year. Um, uh, who am I forgetting? Derek Rose top three for six man. And there is one more Julius Randall, of course, the most obvious one for most improved player. Um, so that's cool. More importantly, there are going to be a lot of fans at the Garden for games one and two. Um, 15,000 
tickets have been sold for each of those games. Uh, there's going to be vaccinated sections and non-vaccinated sections. The uh, apparently large majority, about 90% are going to be vaccinated sections. So that's awesome. The garden's going to be rocking. It's been eight years in the making, but it will be worth it. And um, if you are going, um, you know, have a blast and, uh, and uh, you know, be, uh, be your best self. Uh, let the Hawks know that we are not to be fucked around with. So I, I don't usually curse on the intro, but just figure it's appropriate. Uh, okay. Without further ado, um, here is my conversation with Alan Supplewall. Joining me now for a brief guest appearance on the Knicks Film School podcast, I, I consider him a friend of the pod, even though this is only his second appearance, because we talk um, on on in Twitter DMs I, I, probably too much. We're, we're both pretty crazy. much too much, much too much. <laughs> Um, he is uh, a legend in his uh, in his own right. Um, his opinion on uh, television and, of course, Frank Nilakina and Alfred Payton matters more than all of the rest of the world's opinions combined on those topics. Alan Seppenwall of Rolling Stone. Hello, Alan. John, how you doing? It's a big, big day for the Frank and Elf discourse. My God. So I, I had to bring you on because um, we've been we've been going back and forth about these. I mean, in different conversations about these two uh, young men, it seems like for years now, definitely, of course, this year. Um, I want to start with this. What do you think is more likely that we go back to the days of TV guide of like we're sitting down? It's Thursday. We all get the whole family in front of NBC, you know, NBC. It's a you know, Wednesday, ABC, eight to 11, whatever. Or that Frank Nilakina is going to play meaningful minutes in this series. Uh, Frank Nilakina playing meaningful minutes. And that's not even about me being like a hopeless, you know, Frank fanboy. That's just about the way the TV ain't going back to that. It's <laughs> there's no way, no how. Whereas Tibbs at least opened the door to the idea of Frank playing a little bit. So are you are you legitimately encouraged by what we heard today? Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like he is still sticking up for Alfred Payton way too much. The numbers are just so bad. The play is so bad. I'm sure you've seen the video a million times by now of like him checking out of that play in the last game. where He's just standing there, hand on his hips like the guy didn't want to be here anymore. And he's playing like he doesn't want to be here anymore. I just like I don't want us to have to dig out of these holes in every first and third quarter of every game. I'm tired of it. Um, I, I occasionally have to, I feel like talk you off the ledge. Um, this season has been, I feel like almost so positive that even you would, would, would are going to emerge happy regardless of the result. That said, if like Alfred Payton lost us like multiple playoff games, do you think it would put a damper on everything else that has happened this season for you? I mean, personally? it can't it can't put too much of a damper. Like this has been an amazing, uh, remarkable season. A season I did not expect. Like months ago, you and Vorkanov were joking about all of my tank gifts, and I like <laughs> literally started. I made a whole folder on my phone of like additional tank gifts, so I wasn't just posting the same ones over and over again. And I wound up using almost none of them because they've been great. And when the team lost, I was annoyed by it. So I'm so happy. But like, this is not their year. This is clearly not their year. They're not going to win the title this year. They will be lucky to make it out of the first round. If they make it out of the second round somehow, that's a miracle. So whenever they get eliminated, I'm not going to be that upset. That said, if the reason they get eliminated is because they keep digging these holes because Peyton is starting and can't throw the ball in the ocean and can't defend... 
you know, against a team with an incredible scoring point guard who were giving minutes off on defense because he doesn't have to guard Alfred Payton. Then I'm going to be mad because like then we could have had a chance to advance and Tibbs was just too stubborn or just didn't want to like try any other option. Um, Completely agree. Uh, You said it, this has been a year from heaven, um, but as it inevitably does, because we're New Yorkers and we're always worried about the next thing, uh, the season is going to end and 48 hours later, it's going to be like, what are they going to do to improve this team? Do you, where is your confidence level moving forward with the, with the Rose regime when it comes to, okay, we're going to take the next steps to make sure this thing keeps going in the direction that it's going and not get sidetracked in a Bargnani or otherwise esque uh, sort of fashion. I don't know. I feel much better about them than I did this time a year ago or at certain points in the season, uh, obviously. But like a lot of what you look at what they've done player personnel wise is still do no harm. You know, yeah. they brought in Rose. Rose is uh, Derek Rose has obviously been huge. It's confusing that we have two different roses here all the time, but they brought in Derek. <laughs> yes. uh, he has been huge. They brought Taj back. Um but, you know, mostly like this is the team they inherited. They, I mean, they signed guys over the summer and Burks has been great and Noel has been great. So you, you can't ding that. But like we've had this year where like every single one of our role players has played to the 100 percent like best case scenario for them. And that's not something you can bank on. So no. like it's some of that's Tibbs and some of that's just luck that they were all kind of hitting at the same time. So that's been great. And I, I'd like to think that. Now's the time, though, for them to have to make the big moves. And this is where we see whether he's worth the money he's being paid and whether this great like team of rivals brain trust that he's put together is worth, you know, the reputation that they have, because this is certainly a remarkable turnaround and a great season. But as you've said a lot of times on this podcast, as hard as it is to go from bad to decent, it is so much harder to go from decent to very good or even to great. And like, there are so many ways in which this can go wrong, even if the move on paper makes sense. So I definitely, I want to see what they're doing here, but I'm, I'm sure as hell more optimistic than I was a long time ago. You know what? I'm going to, I got, I'm not going to ask any more next questions because I'm going to leave off on you saying you're optimistic. I feel like that's, that's good. <laughs> um, okay. Now you promised you give me two minutes on this. So I don't know. Yes. How did this, I don't even remember how this came up in my, because Scott Perry was being extended or so goes the rumor. And we were wondering why, and you made a reference to like Tony, Tony likes to keep Polly walnuts around. Okay. So this was my, my thought of like, okay, so, you know, the, the Tony Soprano Leon Rose joke has obviously been made. So if Perry is the Pauly walnuts, he's the, he's the guy who's like, okay, go do this thing. Wes has to be the Silvio, right? Or am I missing another obvious Silvio? No, I think well, like if Wes could also be the Pauly Walnuts in the sense that like my fear about Wes is he's always talking about the good old days when he was buddies with like a previous generation oh, of superstars. That's and and Pauly is very much the remember when guy, and Wes could be that too. But at least at the moment, guys like Julia still talk as if they revere Wes. Yeah. So maybe he has enough power, and if that's the case, then I guess he probably is the Silvio, where he's like slightly older and could have been the boss himself, but seems to work better as like the boss's number two guy. Where I'm struggling, so I think both of us would like to believe that Brock Aller is the real the the real guy pulling the strings to to borrow an, an analogy from a, a different mob um, you know piece of cinema. I, I don't know. Is there a perfect Brock Aller comparison in the Sopranos universe? I, I like 
There would be like, if like there if there if like Christopher was competent, he could be Christopher. Yeah, but he's because Tony not. keeps sort of trying to like prepare Christopher to take over for him, and Christopher's an idiot. Um, I, uh, see, I was going to compare Christopher to Alan Houston, but now I can't because I can't say <laughs> Alan Houston's an idiot because I like Alan Houston. And if Alan Houston, if you're listening out there, I don't think you're an idiot. Now, Alan um, Houston's a perfectly nice gentleman. He is no Christopher Maltesanti. No, um, I don't I, like Carmela, but like Carmela's not involved in the family really. But she kind of, you know, runs. She's aware of things, but not really. You know, I always think about when he comes home after after Richie has died. He's like Carmela. After all these years of marriage, don't let don't make me make you an accessory after the fact. So, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Aller wants to stay out of the tampering and maybe he leave. Maybe this is more better than we think. Maybe. Well, then he would be Meadow because like oh. Meadow's like the young hotshot who's maybe going to be a mob lawyer by the end of the show. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Um, I gotta say, by the way, while we're on the subject of Sopranos, can I throw in a very quick plug? Please. Okay, so I was in this when my book, The Soprano Sessions, came out a couple of years ago for the 20th anniversary of the show. One of the things that Matt Zeller cites, my co-author and I did, was we sat down in the booth at Holston's where the last scene of the show takes place. And we talked for an hour while a documentary crew filmed us talking about The Sopranos. That documentary and two others, one with us interviewing David Chase, one with the actors playing Furio and Johnny Sack and a couple of the other uh, sidekick gangsters, have all been put together into sort of a mega documentary called The Sopranos Sessions. It's playing now in theaters around the country. I don't think it's in the tri-state area quite yet, but if you go to CelebrateTheSopranos.com, you can find a list of theaters uh, and the dates in which they'll be coming. I know there's theaters in Jersey, in New York, and and all around the country. So if you just want to, if you're feeling vaccinated and safe enough to go into a theater, it's a really cool thing. So it's CelebrateTheSopranos.com is where we can get updates, but also you'll give an update, I'm sure, on Twitter. Yes, I will. Okay. And do me a favor, make me aware when you do. It's funny because I have actually been thinking of late, what is the thing that's going to get me back into the movie theater? I wanted <laughs> yeah. to make, no, I'm serious. I wanted to make it something special. This yes. will get me back on the movie theater. Um, last thing before I let you go, yes. you have a, a much better podcast than this one that I have become <laughs> hopelessly addicted to because it's it's amazing that nobody thought of this idea, by the way. Yes. You thought, can you just give a really quick plug for the podcast? Okay. So the podcast is called Too Long, Didn't Watch. The gimmick is in every episode. I pick, I wind up with celebrity guest and we find a show that the celebrity guest has never seen and I show them the very first episode of that show and the very last episode of that show and nothing in between and they have to try to figure out what happened in all those seasons so like John Hamm and I watch Gossip Girl Allison Brie and I watch Game of Thrones Kumail Nanjiani and I watch Veronica Mars you know Nick Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally and I watch My So-Called Life so you sort of you go through these and you see like will a television show make sense if you only ever see the premiere and the finale and nothing else and, and let me tell you I can't still can't decide I told you this months ago I still can't decide whether I like the episodes better for the shows that I've seen or the shows that I haven't seen which is a testament to you you do a great job Alan Thank said all, you are one of a kind. Um, let's go next. Is there anything else to say? Go New York. Go New York. Go. Joining me now on the next film school podcast, uh, the most esteemed of guests in the sense that um, I don't know. Actually, nothing. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> no, um, here, here's why he is esteemed. Um, he's still uh, unlike me, who gave up practicing law a very long time ago because. <laughs> 
I'm I don't know. I have a uh, better shit to do. Um, this person has stuck it out for the betterment of his family. And he now lives in a beautiful house in New Jersey. while I live in a smaller, shittier house here in Long Island because I don't practice law anymore. He does. So he's my hero because he does the he does the tough work for his family. In addition to writing about movies and also, of course, coming on here and commenting about the next Bernardo Zaraski. Hello, sir. Why, thank you for that kind introduction, pointing out the thing that I hate most about my day-to-day existence. It's wonderful. <laughs> That's the least I could do. <laughs> um, also here, of course, uh, because uh, Yash could not be here. I believe Yash is currently uh, doing something in, is he in Miami? He, he is in Miami. He is in Miami. We, we won't guess it to what, as to what he is doing or not doing in Miami. It's probably a salsa dance competition. It is probably a salsa dance competition. That's not a joke, actually. It's not actually a joke, yeah. Um, but uh, filling in admirably uh, as the third leg of the, the law school trio, Andrew Claudio. Andrew, you could have gone to law school, I think. Hell no. Sure you could have. <laughs> no, there's not enough editing and computer work that is involved. There's research and reading, which I enjoy. But anytime someone makes me read, it's like, nah, I'm out. Sorry. Okay, then you probably would not. I would be a terrible lawyer. Plus, I also am there for the. Oh, I was wrong. Okay, you're right, Your Honor. Like I'm there to admit it when I'm wrong. Go ahead. I got to tell you, I sat next to Macri in multiple law school classes, and I don't think he did the reading a single time. (laughs) So So, you're saying I could have been a bad lawyer? (laughs) That's a lie. I read. I read. Hold on, uh, really quickly, because I'm sure people are fascinated to listen to this. (laughs) Um, I read all of my torts cases because I enjoyed torts, um, and I read a decent number of the criminal law cases. Yes, that's like two of the 30 classes you take in law school. <laughs> OK, I want something. It's better than nothing. I, I, I wanted to be no. I, I know I did graduate with a, above a 3.0 and I did pass the bar the first time I took it. Um, anyway, um, we're going to talk about the Knicks. Uh, we've been talking about the Knicks all week, but we're we're other than, you know, the, the banter that I had with with uh, Colin which was a lot of fun. We really haven't gotten into the nitty gritty of previewing this series. So that's why we wanted to bring you on Bernard. Um, opening thoughts, uh, confident, not confident feeling. Well, how, how, how are we feeling going into this bad boy? You know, I got to tell you, there, there is, it's weird to say there's almost a little bit of a house money feel because I would have perhaps sold years off of the lives of my children uh, just to be in the play in game this year. And now we're we all close- would have. And now we're hosting a series. I, that's that is bonkers. And not just are we hosting a series, but we're hosting a series that we could actually, legitimately, conceivably win. Yeah. And I I'm picking us to win with my objective nerd name. I, I I am. I think I think this is a winnable series. I feel pretty good. Can you give me one objective thing? Because I've been pouring over the numbers and the film the last several days, and um. I well, I'm, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Let me just turn to you objectively. Give me one thing objectively why you think this is a winnable series for the Knicks. I don't think there's any option on the Hawks side to deal with Randall. Randall has shown it multiple times during the season. He's stepped up. He's also look, I, I was worried all year they were going to hit a wall from playing 40 minutes every night for all the starters. And it just hasn't happened. And maybe that happens in the second round, but I certainly think they they have the stamina left to get past the Hawks. I think, okay, I'm with you on Randall. Um, I'm with you on Randall because I agree with you. They don't have a way to stop Randall um, other than to um, aggressively double team him and uh, hope he makes the right play, which he has 
um, for the most part this season. So that's a that's a good sign. Um, and the Knicks have hit shots um, off of those doubles for the most part this season. My my fear is I, I think it's two or threefold. Can I give you a couple things? Please you tell you tell me how crazy or not crazy I, I am being one. Um, the Hawks did not shoot uh, particularly well from three against us this this mm-hmm. season. And uh, Trey Young in particular, you know, Trey Young hit three, three, three pointers against the Knicks this season. Three for 14. Not very good. He shot 35 percent. Yeah. Um, and and I like I would love to say that the Knicks did some like bang up job defending him. They did OK when he got close to the rim and like made his life difficult inside the arc. But like they also just kind of gave up some shots and he just missed a bunch of them. Um, so there, there's that. Um, and they also and this is the the part that I'm really focused on. Clint Capella um, is a just a beast. And he has like been getting progressively better against us as opposed to us figuring out ways to stop him. He went from scoring 12 in the first game, 20 in the second game, 26 in the third game. And he was on his way to a 30 spot until young went down with the injury. And then, and then that was that. Um, how, how, are, how are we stopping that, that pick and roll? Because I'm not sure I have a great answer for that. Well, look, that that's going to be a, a difficult spot. Look, I, I think the reality here is that so much of this is going to come down to the Knicks defense holding up against what's going to be a better attack than we've seen before. And look, the, the, there's no more Rajon Rondo taking these minutes to uh, to benefit us here. But the so I think he only played in one of the games. But regardless, oh, but, no, but like Cam Reddish, like there was a lot oh, of Cam Reddish going Cam- on <laughs> during games of the series, <laughs> and and he's probably going to be out. Um, and and DeAndre Hunter is now back and he was only, he only played. Hey, he's in, a beast. In, an I absolute beast. Um, yeah. So like bogey's there, Hunter's there. Um, like all, like on, on was like a player now, like all of these guys are now here and healthy and like, uh, I, I just, yeah, I'm scared. I get the cause for concern. And I, I think, look, one of the things that most concerns me, and I'm sure that many listeners are going to nod along here is what Alfred Payton does in the minutes that he's given. I, for one, I'm certainly hoping and praying that Tibbs gives Frank some chances here, gives Frank the chance to see what he can do against Trey. I think that's a, I think that's an area where we can shift the balance a little bit. Uh, look, Trey lighting us up is a legitimately terrifying thought, but I think part of it is, over the last few weeks, a lot of these Knicks players have ascended to another level. You look at someone like Bullock, and Bullock is yeah. a comfortably better, more reliable player. He's become a real fucking cog here. He is the made absolute, himself a lot of money. He's definitely made himself a lot of money. Someone may pay him some crazy money soon, but yeah. he is he is the number three guy on this team, a legitimate option, and frankly, he's become a pretty damn devastating outside shooter. And we have, look, RJ has also continued to ascend. He is not tired. And it seems like quickly, briefly hit the wall and has gotten over it. It seems like we have taken steps forward in ways that help account for the better Hawks team that we're going to see this week. Um, I noticed there was a a little, um, I think it was Kirk Goldsberry um, put out the little uh, photographic on Twitter of like the best shooters from, um, each position on the court this year and mm-hmm. uh, Randall's smiling face was in his like baseline position on the, on the left side of the basket there. And you know, who was smiling right next to him in the left corner, RJ Barrett, baby 
most oh, hell yeah. pro- most proficient three point shooter in the league this year, um, which is crazy. Um, so now I'm going to bring Andrew in because I know how much Andrew loves math, um, and I'm I want to throw some math at both of you. But uh, Oz, I'll, I'll toss it to you first, and then Andrew, I'll, I'll let you respond. There's two there's two things that I'm wondering specifically in regards to Trey Young. Um, so he this year is thirty. 30- four percent from deep mm-hmm. on significantly less vi- last season he was over 36 percent on uh over nine attempts a game this season he's at 34 percent on like a, a little over six attempts a game he's he's basically three fewer attempts uh from deep per 36 minutes you're a i we talk about this in our text chain far too much for my liking, but um, you and Yash get into it a lot in terms of like sample sizes and when is smart to, when is it wise to extrapolate something from a sample size and when is it not? So my thinking is like, Hey, if this is what Trey young is this year, maybe it's best to just go under um, like the screens that get set at the top and make sure he can't get into the lane and start tossing shit to Capella and like ping, 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 the ball goes around and to their open three-point shooters. Like is is one year of 34% shooting, Bernard, would that be enough to get you to alter your game plan? You know, here's the, I think that, and look, I, I can't say that I know the precise calculus here, but he was 36, he was what, 36.1% last year. Last season, and 30, yeah. And 34.3% this year. percentage points. It's within variance. They're, they're both roughly 35%. I think the fact that the 36 is done on about three more attempts per game does carry a little bit of weight. It speaks to frankly, him hitting more well-being leveraged more as a three point shooter. Um, I think he's also doing more off the dribble this year, sort of throughout the entire game plan. Yeah. And you know, that, that impacts the opportunities, but I, I think that, Look, small series variance. The guy can shoot three pointers. Who fucking knows? It's really the short answer. But I think the 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 longer answer. I think there is a little bit of cause for concern about his his three point shooting this year. A worse a worse conversion rate on a on fewer attempts is never something you want to say. Yeah, Andrew, you want to chime in on this because I know you're you're a big math guy. Yeah, big math guy. Um, Trey Young is. Uh, to be honest, like third or fourth on the things that actually scare me in this series. It's really so. The Capella thing you've already hit on. The yeah. Knicks just don't have an answer in the pick and roll for him. And they showed it in the last game. It just got to a point where anytime they got past that first line of defense, it's a defense. It's like, oh, so Clint Capella is going to get a layup. Got it. And it's also the boards that kind of scare me from a Capella standpoint, whether it be Drummond or anybody down the stretch that was getting as many any rebounds that they wanted against the Knicks. It's that was the other the other thing over the three games. He went for he had two offensive rebounds in the first game against the Knicks, then six in the second game and then nine, nine offensive rebounds. Yeah. Game. That's the the boards scare me. So then you go down the list, like the three point shooting scares me more. Like I think Knicks will have a good plan for Trey. It's just it's literally everything else that lead to, like I said, the first to one fifteen that I think they're gonna have to play. <sighs> That's you know? a frightening thought. I I mean I know we we turned a corner offensively and like we were much better offensively down the stretch of the season, but then you watch them go. Like I went down the line the last five games of the year. Every one of those games, they had stretches of like five, six, seven, eight minutes where they'd scored like zero points or mm-hmm. two points or like four points. 
But again, I, I don't know, Bernard, I'll turn it back to you because like, I just don't know what to take from that versus like Tibbs has had a week. Like that's, isn't that really important to give a guy like Thibodeau a week? I think you give Thibodeau a week. It helps him to come up with something. Look, I, I, I sort of avoided your Capella question the first time because I don't have a great answer either for what they're going to do here. You, you need a little, uh, frankly, a little, a little prayer, a little hope that, <laughs> that Noel can find an extra gear even beyond to help, to help Ortage, cover all the chaos. Ortage. Ortage, of course. We, we love Taj. We love Taj. Friend of Taj, the pod. Literal favorite player on the Knicks right now. Um, Same here. Adore him. But look, Taj is not a young man anymore and perhaps doesn't quite have the quickness that one would need for, uh, for that assignment. I mean, look, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't lose sleep if Taj were to put Capella on his ass in a very, very vicious way early <laughs> in the first game of the series and see how Capella responds to that. I, I think it would be a lovely 90s era Knicks thing to, to start this thing out on the right foot. But, but that's what we have Norvell Pell for. That's yes, what, that's, we could set Pell out there for his two minutes of playoff time. If Norvell Pell is playing minutes in this series, it's because the Knicks are down by 30 and the game got out of hand. And it's oh, terrifying. wait, no, 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 hold on. More, more math real quick. Oh, no. Capella's a, uh, Capella's a 56, 53% foul sh- uh, free throw shooter for his career, 56% this year. The last game, he missed a bunch of big free throws down the stretch. I think he was one for five. But 50, I mean, he's 56% this year. Like, I don't Let's know. Sh- is it- shack the hell out of him. I, I don't think that's insane. I mean, so 56% translates to 1.12 1. Uh, uh, points per possession. That's that's a goodly amount in the NBA. That's not nothing. Um, but, like, I don't know, as a way to kind of disrupt the – but here's the thing. The Knicks haven't done that all year. I don't. I actually don't know. Has Does any team do that anymore against any center? I feel like that's kind of gone away. It's kind of gone away. It's, it's it, kind of inefficient, too. Is it inefficient? I think so. It depends, like. Cause then you just, you're in the bonus quicker. So like if a team just wants to take that guy off the court after they've gotten you in the bonus and then like guys that are better at free throw shooting drive and they have the rest of the quarter to make free throws, you know? That may, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. So maybe that's not a, a strategy to go to, but I, whatever we have guys to throw at him. They do have fouls to, to give maybe not as a strategy. Um, I don't every know. Every time, I, by the way, Oz, every time Oz holds up his next film school mug, it, Warms I'm my doing heart a little bit. I'm doing it studiously. You're too. doing it intentionally. Sure we get the logo. Yeah, <laughs> that might be the. That's going to be the thumbnail for this podcast. <laughs> is you holding up a Knicks film school mug? I love Excellent. it. Excellent. Um, it, it has to be. Um, I okay. So let's talk about the uh briefly the the Knicks on. I guess let's talk about the Knicks on offense. Um. Right now, it seems like they've kind of, I don't want to use the word devolved because that puts a, a negative connotation on it, but like they've kind of turned the, the offense over to Derrick Rose for 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Is it 15? It feels like 15 minutes a game where they're just basically telling him like, go have be, fun. Yeah. go. Thank you. Go have fun. Um, it has worked. He's making these like little mid rangers and stuff at a preposterous, not a preposterous rate, but it's a, it's a, it's a not a insignificant uh, sample size, and he's making a, a decent a, a number of them over several weeks. But again, uh, Oz, like you think, is that a strategy that you would go back to the well on? We we don't have a lot of other options at the one. There's only <laughs> there's only <laughs> so. <laughs> There, there's only so many minutes one can one can watch Alfred Payton um, before vomiting. 
So uh, I was wondering if we could get to this whole thing without saying Alfred. Well, Pagan. obviously, we weren't going to do that. Obviously, what, what but I, figured, I, mean, I wanted to see if we could, you know, halfway through is fine. It, it was difficult for me to 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 hold back. But look, I, Elf Elf is not a starting NBA point guard anymore. I, I know, Macker, you did the rundown a couple couple days ago of all the guys who would have added like at least five wins this year. <laughs> and it was what you end up at, like 26 point guards or something was, would have added something crazy like that. It's a it's a good number. And look, we're we're stuck on that. And we have a wonderful sixth man who's kind of sort of a point guard in Rose. And we have a defensive stopper back there. So we we have to sort of triage the hell out of those minutes at the one. Quickly, I'll get some time two-ish. So look, I, I, I think we're stuck hoping that Rose can keep the magic going. And if he can't keep the magic going, we're not we're not going to advance <laughs> uh tell us how you really feel um no i don't i don't i actually don't think that that's wrong um although i will say i will say this um quickly has been the most impactful player in the first three games of the uh, that or in the three games that uh these two teams have played this year um his what is it he's a it's a, some obscene plus 39 or something is his net rating, whatever, over the course of like 71 minutes. It's it's an absurd um, figure. But he, if Rose, for argument's sake, doesn't have, doesn't have it in a game or a couple of games, like I think that's the go-to um, for them. And like that is, and, and can I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Let me just say this about Alfred Payton. He was shooting like 56, 57% around the rim up until like the last three weeks of the season when he just completely became a shell of a shell of himself. Um, If his defense was actually as good as everybody says it is, and he was just going to hit 57% of his shots around the rim, I honestly would be, I'd be like, fine. You want to give him six minutes to start each half? Fine. I don't even care. But like, we're not even getting that anymore. So I don't know what to do. Um, Bernard, who would you start? Who would you, who would your starting lineup be i'm assuming you would keep the rest of the lineup the same though i i actually i actually think i'd start frank would you really this is insane oh, oh my, my god, god. Claudia just hold exploded. on we need to add context now please i got introduced to oz in saber world and how much he leans on the heavy need to prove against the not necessarily need to prove against the eye test but like the eye test can sometimes lie to you when you dig deeper into the numbers and I got introduced to Oz and the Saber side of things with Elf isn't actually that bad when you look at the sample size of his career. Oh, oh, career stats. Yeah, that's, that's what you're fair, saying. Like he's that's performing fair. below. But his, that was that was accurate. Right. But that was accurate. We were all like, OK, but it's detrimental to the team. Like and you were like, but give it time. It might normalize out. This is no way for a guy. And it didn't. He got old. Well. He, he, he's weathered away. <laughs> right. And then when we brought yeah. up Frank, you were like, look at Frank's career stats. There's nothing to say that he's ever going to be anything more than a mediocre offensive player, a below average offensive player and an average defensive player. Well, I, I don't know about average. I, I think I've always thought that he had a role as a gadget player who could come in and basically be used as a stopper on mm. some guy on the other team, really anywhere from the one to the four, where his only job is to stick on him for the entire entire time that he's on the court the, Look, do, please not just like the point is to now arrive here that we're going to the next first playoff game in eight years and you're like we should start frank that well, as the as what's your face and insecure would say is growth uh, and i'm proud <laughs> great show i love that show. i'm proud of you 
Look, it's not any particular love for Frank, but when, as as John says, we're talking about six minutes to start each half. We're not talking about the lion's share of the minutes back there. We're talking about a stretch against the other side starters where we're going to have our four top dogs on the court otherwise and are sending him out there to basically play havoc on the defensive end and not fuck things up on the offensive end. I, I think for limited stretches, before you move on to Rose at the, you know, halfway through the first quarter, I think that's a reasonable thing. And it's also, look, it seems to me at this point, it's low downside. The elf fucks things up side of the coin has gotten so extreme over the last couple of weeks that the, the bland, boring, minimal offense. So he's hit some big threes lately, but let's say minimal offense from Frank and good defense. That is enough for me to give him, you know, 12 minutes a game. I, I think agree. it's I think it's reasonable. Um, the my one my one doubt is I again because I just spend way too much time on the shit. I went back and watched every defensive possession that Frank had. Actually, not every defensive possession Frank had against Trey Young. Every every one that uh, Trey Young shot it on, and I could not find a single instance where Frank was able to where I personally felt like Frank did a good job defending him. I feel like Trey Young snaked his way around like you know were they some of the moving screens not really honestly because the guy would like be stationary and then like he would pivot as Trey Young is then like dribbling around with the ball and whatever but like Frank is a bigger longer guy and Trey Young is is you know the weight of my daughter over here um you know who's four years old no but like Frank has has had difficulty sticking with him and then Frank's also a little foul prone. That said, I think Frank's been better on defense, even though he hasn't played as much. I actually think Frank's been better on defense this year than he had more consistent and, and just generally, I trust him more on defense this year. And I think Tim's trust him. Um, I would be fine with it. My personal choice would be Burks because then if it's Burks, who's Trey young going to guard in the starting five? Like, I think you could get Trey young into now that that brings the risk. And again, Oz, I'll turn back to you. Do you do you disrupt what you usually do as far as a game plan to like try to get Trey Young in foul trouble, or is that fool's gold to do that? I think playing for foul trouble is fool's gold because who who the hell knows what's going to happen? Who knows what calls are going to happen? Trey Young is going to get every coin flip call over Burks, or uh, it's just not even close here. Especially in a playoff series, they're not going to put Trey Young on the bench six minutes into the into the first half. And to piggyback on that, you're then taking the game out of your offense. Now I need to refill my wine. You're putting the game in the ref's hands instead. And you're saying, okay, ref, like make a call rather than trying to actually put an offense out there that can beat the Hawks. I think there's a a much more simple solution that I think we're all afraid to to say it. Like just start Derrick Rose and stagger the minutes. So I don't. uh, Okay, so if you're telling me 12 minutes, right? So why can't Frank fill those 12 minutes elsewhere? So what? So but but here's the thing. You, I don't think that. I think we're all. I think we're all in agreement that the Knicks cannot ever have a moment where Derrick Rose or Julius Randle isn't on the court. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, what's shit. Julius playing? 40, 42 minutes. Forty four minutes. He will night? play forty nine minutes a game. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll play. He'll, look, he'll play forty. Um, Barrett. Will, I mean, I, I really do think we may see a forty eight minute Barrett game. Um, I think it's in the cards. Um, we've seen 24 minute Barrett halves, second halves. Um, so why not? Why not go all the way? But you, it's just, gosh, now I'm starting to think like fucking Thibodeau. Um, 
when you brought up the Burks thing about the foul issue, like let's say Burks is trying to draw fouls and it doesn't happen. And meanwhile, Young gets him into foul trouble on the other end. Then all of a sudden now you've lost Burks. And so now you're, well, I mean, again, you could still push RJ, you could push Reggie, but like then you've lost one more like bench cog. And let's say it's a night where quickly it doesn't have it. Like, and then let's, but now I'm thinking you mentioned starting Rose. God forbid, can you imagine Rose got into foul trouble against Young in the starting five? Like by starting, pa- I can't remember fucking defending this. By starting Peyton, you do buy yourself that no, but you do buy yourself five or six minutes of time where guess what? If Alfred Peyton gets three fouls on Trey or, or picks, yeah, commits three fouls on Trey Young in the first five, six minutes of the game, who gives a fuck? He sucks. But you've used those, but, but no, but is, is that, is this insane? I feel like well, I'm talking about something at the end of those six minutes. And the same logic applies to Frank. I think there's a, a higher upside. Yeah, the like same logic causes. does apply to Frank. Cause if you've lost Frank for the rest of the half, who gives a shit? Shucks. Yeah. What my thought is like, Shucks. I, I would rather match fire with fire with Rose for the first six minutes. And then if you want to take Rose out then and go quickly or Burks, Burks usually comes in midway through the first anyway. So and then, then bring Burks. Rose back in the second quarter with the second unit, like always. It's just I, like you're staggering the minutes differently. So basically you're take starting, him out. God, you're starting Rose and you're pulling Rose pretty fast. You're pulling rows after like seven, six or seven minutes, six, seven, eight minutes in. You, I don't you think play out how the game goes. I don't think Thibodeau. Well, we all the, we're, we're kind of bullshitting on the pot on a podcast right now. So we know what's going to happen on Sunday. <laughs> no, on, I yeah. actually no, no. Hold on. I actually you think there's more than a 10 percent chance that it's not Alfred Payton. I I really do. I want to say this because I'm going to have you've been giving this. us odds all week. What odds do I have to give you for Alfred Payton not to be in that? Let me just say this. Let me just say this. From what I understand, and again, take everything I'm about to say and fucking pour salt all over it. Um, from what I understand, the, the, there there has been consideration given at some point. At some point, I don't know if it's being in consideration right now, but at some point there was consideration given to starting Burks over Payton. Mm-hmm. Just take it from take it for what's worth. Right. That's what I've heard. This is the this is the media side of Macri coming out. As, <laughs> well, I don't this, really do it that much anymore. But um, but this is this is we got something out of you. We got a nugget is what we, we got. Did. OK, so now I'm, I'm going to break news here. If, no, dude, if dude, I swear to God, if you put this fucking clip out, I'm going to kill you. Too late. Not put I already marked out. it. I already put a star <laughs> next to Burks is going to start on Sunday. Thank you, heard you very much. Friend. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, no, here's what's going to happen <clears throat> is if aggregators Alec Burks is in the graphic on Sunday. You know who to credit. Yeah, okay, the- there you go. Otherwise, please forget I ever said this. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, but but look, I, they, of course they're considering things, right? Of course they're considering. I would you fucking not consider things. You watch the games. I just I, I I don't know which which is the smartest pivot. Bernard, you make a lot of sense because if it's Frank, it's just who gives a shit. It's like what's the worst? He can't be worse. <laughs> what did I? I think I quoted or I put it in my newsletter recently. Elf has hit like thirty. Five percent of his shots over the last eight games or something obscene. He's hit like a, a field goal, whatever. It's it's sub like G League player. Um, <laughs> you know, if Frank hits one out of every three threes, and that's all he does is he stands in the corner, he takes threes. Who you know, live with? Yeah, but then you're running every offense unless you're going to run a few through Barrett, and then it gets into the discussion of Barrett because he's been slumping as well. So it's like, are you going to run every offensive possession through Julius Randle for the first? six minutes of the game. I, 
It's tough. This is these are not easy. Like, th- but I this mean, is what. Tech- what so that that might, that might be Randall's bigger burden here is that instead of going up to you know forty six minutes a game or something you keep him at forty and you run even more of the offense through him to start the game, which they already I mean they already kind they're of they're going to do it anyway even even with Elf there it's all going to run through him, and I will Elf? say to to yes, yeah no to to Andrew's point I I think look here here's the problem with with Rose and what they've done with the second unit, and I know there's going to be a really tight rotation Thibodeau's not going to use a lot of players but I think there's a consistency element that is not just important to Thibodeau but is actually important to the players Um, I think there's a real thing to chemistry and getting used to a game plan and who you expect to be on the court with and And the results speak for themselves they 41 wins and I look I think yeah I agree completely and I think that subbing out one relatively similar player to Peyton for Peyton is a lot different downstream impact on the rest of the roster then than moving rows. Yeah. Then moving rows up and then having Peyton or Burks or whoever it's a great be point playing those minutes, you know, deep in the first half. In it's that case, Burks is the answer. No, I then, think, I think Frank is the answer because then you don't shift anything else around. Everything else stays. As so then, is. yeah, Frank is the answer. That's the, what I, mean. the, I think the only, the only caveat there is that like they kind of haven't really had any consistency in terms of the second unit specifically from a point of like um, Rose Burks and quickly haven't played that much together. Um, Cause like Burks was out for a while. Rose was oh, out for a while. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I, do, but here's the thing. That's why I, to me, it's, it's a Burks or, or Frank question. I don't think you mess with everything else and put Rose in the starting lineup. I don't think you mess with everything and put and put quickly in the start. I, I don't think he's going to start quickly. So the but. only reason I ever I even thought of like what my putting Rose in the starting lineup and staggering and the only example I kept thinking about throughout the season was the I think it was the the first season that the Warriors had KD, um, the Cavs. Uh, all year, everybody's like, you need to play Kevin Love at the five. You need to play Kevin Love at the five. And Ty Lue's like, we like what Tristan gives us. We like going, like, we like LeBron. That's a center, three. though. But my point was more the example of they did something all year, and then yeah. game one, Kevin Love is starting at the five. So my thought was maybe Tibbs is like, we don't want to give anybody film on what we're doing in the postseason. And I, we will I, wait to unveil this new rotation come playoffs, which... Uh, this would be the, the the game I even go back to is the game against the Mavericks where Frank all of a sudden came out for the fourth quarter and the Knicks pulled away with our, that was the first yeah. time we saw RJ play an entire second half. And it was like, oh, okay, so maybe they have some tricks up their sleeve that they don't want to show people until they get to the postseason. It's uh, just, they also made it to the postseason by the skin of their teeth. So I wonder I, if I don't, you know, they should have pulled the, pulled out those tricks sooner. I don't I'm think not. Thibodeau. Ha- I don't think Thibodeau has that gear. Okay. I don't think he. I don't think he has the gear to to. Uh, he's not the guy coming up with load management plans. Let's yeah. put it that way. He, he's he's not someone who's going to you know take games off or risk losses along the way. I, I think he's probably sitting at home now, pissed off they're not the three seed. Um, it's just it, it's his mentality is that every every game matters. And look the. It, Maybe they'll they'll pay for it down the line. Hopefully it's in the second round or later. But the entire entire season he played basically every game like they were there to win. Yes. There was none of this, you know, they're down by 25 and fucking Randall and Barrett are still out there. Yeah. Or they're up by 25 and Randall and Barrett are still well, he, out there. He he looks that as free uh, that as free practice time. 
Yes, of course. Like I'm not, I'm not going to get to practice tomorrow because we've played a game today. So I'm going to use this time to practice. You know, that's sure. But that's, that's damage. Those are minutes that people are playing that take a toll on them this year and take a toll on them long-term. And if he were someone who's going to hold back and hide shit and come up with some sort of grand secret plan (laughs) for the playoffs, this is, this is, let me cross sports. Let me cross the sports streams for one minute here. Please. Last year, the Yankees decided they were going to start Davey Garcia in the playoffs. They were, it was a big thing. Everyone was very excited. They were going to go with the young rookie kid. And they used him for one fucking inning and then went to boring, <laughs> shitty Jay Happ for the rest of the game. I know who Jay Happ is. You uh, hate Jay Happ I hate so Jay Happ. He'd never come out as a reliever. He was just trash. And he was unhappy. Davey was unhappy. Everyone was unhappy because they tried to be too fucking cute. And being too cute in the playoffs gets you burned far more than it doesn't. And my fear is that if we get too cute with the rotations, look, marginal shifts, plugging, plugging in, plugging out, like sitting elf could be, is one thing. But shifting everything around as some sort of grand, long form, little finger esque <laughs> plan is not not what I think they're just doing. The, you know, it's going to be hilarious, John. What if when Alfred comes out and he has ten points in the first six minutes of game one, and we no, all but, look like but moron. that's and but Trey that's, Young is three fouls. No, but that's <laughs> but that's on the table because it, here's the thing: if if he if he starts Peyton, I guarantee. Because here's the thing, and this is what I was gonna say. Uh, I don't know if it's a legal thing you learn in law school, but it's certainly a thing you learn in life. The the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. Is there a legal a, a Latin phrase for that that we learned, Bernard? Isn't it Occam's razor? Isn't that the? Uh, oh, maybe that's it. Word? Okay, I'm. I'm yeah, okay. That's much never felt than. more lost on this podcast. Occam's razor isn't a law thing. I just thought it was a law thing for a second. I, anyway, Latin then fine. Um, the, the simplest, the simplest explanation is that, um, Tibbs has known all along with Alfred in there, he can buy whether it's three or four or five possessions in the first six minutes of each half where he could just give Peyton the ball and tell Peyton to drive to the rim and put up the best shot you could put up. Would it have been nice if he kicked out on a few more of those and acted like an actual point guard instead of a robot that was programmed to just put it up as close to the rim as he can um, center uh, present be damned. Uh, yes, that would have been nice. Um, unfortunately, that that extra gear in his mind seemed to seems to have uh, vanished um, because I can't remember the last time he drove and kicked. Neither here nor there. Um, but like, that's what he did. And for the for up until like the last, I don't know when did Alpha really start looking like a, a corpse out there. Six games, eight games. Like it was really it was actually justifiable because the numbers kind of justified it, and the team's record justified it, and like it kept everything else in place. Now that it's gotten to the point where he's like, uh, whatever this is, I just don't know. Maybe, but, but to your point, Andrew, maybe he comes out and it's like in those five or six. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, drives, he scores on four of them. That's the and beauty of the postseason. It's a, literally a brand new season. The numbers are different. The like, obviously, Oz, you'd be as as baseball guys. We've seen this forever. Guy is like a two twenty hitter all season. That comes into the postseason, first at bat, hits a home. Daniel Murphy, not never been a significant home run hitter till his career. Then homers in six straight games during the playoffs and leads them to the World Series. This happens a lot. Now, I don't know if basketball it happens a lot, but it's on the table. Can I ask one last question? Yeah. If it's not the Knicks, who do you who are you rooting for out of each conference? Ooh, like that's not, a great not question. your pick, but like emotionally, because I have like two teams that I'm secretly rooting for that I don't know how far they're gonna go outside of the Knicks. Um who am I rooting for? I you know, I, I wouldn't I mean, obviously I will root like hell for this for the Knicks against this team. Um, between Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Philly, I kind of I just would enjoy Philly in the finals more than those other two teams. Okay. Um, I, I've always liked Joel Embiid. I I enjoy watching him. Um, I respect that he's a big fucking goofball and that he talks all kinds of shit to like other people who are supposed to be the best centers in the league, and he is dismissive of them like they're nothing, and he talks about them as if they're nothing. I think I love that. Um. But um, out west, do I really care? I mean, I like Jokic. That'd be f- fuck Denver, Philly. Yeah, how about that? That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, Denver, Philly. Oz, no, I, I've always, I've always been a center guy. I love mm-hmm. centers. I love watching centers do their thing. So why not that? Taj Gibson. Taj, Taj yeah. Gibson is is a center. There you go. Oz. Uh, leaving aside that, I like that Joel Embiid was the originally going to be the part of Kevin Garnett in Uncut Gems. That's who they wrote it for. Mm-hmm. Leaving I that it was aside, Stoudemire. Both, both. There were multiple versions of this. Oh, that's right. They, yeah. They've been selling the Embiid story hard, but um, I really like PJ Tucker. I think that guy's awesome. I think he's that's a fair. savage. I'd like to see Milwaukee if it's not the Knicks um, breakthrough. I think it would be nice for Giannis. I think it'd be nice for the league. Uh, I think Tommy D would recognize that they're finally respecting Giannis <laughs> if they make it through. And no uh, comment. No comment. No comment. No comment. <laughs> and uh, out, out in, out in the West, I, I you know, I, I feel. Look at, look at my last name. It looks like a fucking typo. <laughs> I, I, I have to support my Eastern European folks. Uh, let's go, Luca. I hope the. Oh, I, I actually. I can't give it up. I hope the Mavericks are the, the team out of the last, last, last me. Very last thing. I other than the Nets, I, I I'll be rooting against the Mavs the most. That said, <laughs> that I, I look d- despite what I said, I have I'm honest on this podcast, even if it gets me into trouble. I just I think this way about Luke. I don't want Luke to win because I fucking hate that team. That said, um, I think if you're a Knicks fan. Aren't you kind of like contractually obligated to root for Dallas in this series? Because I don't, uh, the chances of Kawhi leaving right now, whether they're 0.5% or 1% or 2%, whatever they are, they get, I think, exponentially greater 
if the Clippers lose in the first round. And if he's only if he leaves, he's only on one of two places, Miami or New York. So you know. I want my cake and I want to eat it too. So I would like them to, <laughs> the Clippers to beat Dallas. So that way they look the Dallas continues to look bad since the Porzingis trade. And then I want the Clippers to have tanked to avoid the Lakers in the bracket and then not even see the Lakers in that side of the bracket. So like them use lose to Utah. So that's I what just, I'm rooting for. I, and God. then Kawhi leaves and I don't even home. think that would get him to leave. I think it would have to be like some kind of a catastrophic. Well, John, we're talking of going from 5% to 10% if he goes in the first round, if he leaves in the first round. I don't think he's leaving if they get swept by Dallas. I like that's the thing. He want, he left a championship winner to go live in Los Angeles to then go move to New York 2 years later. It's just like the opposite. I think it depends on how they, I mean, they're not going to get swept obviously, but I think it depends on how, like, uh, I don't know. I My don't know. answer, by the way, I'm, I'm a Chris Paul guy. So I, I'm, it sucks that they're playing the Lakers, but I'm kind of picking, I want Chris Paul to at least get to a final. So some narratives go away. That's, I think he's the modern day Dirk. He needs one ring. So that way people will shut up. Well, so Dirk got his in 2011 and then people will hopefully people shut up after that. And then I'm with Oz on the bucks, but for a different reason, I hate tanking with a passion and the process folk have started to get louder because the Sixers are the one seed. So I would like the Bucks to are to be rewarded for a star, actually like to reward Giannis for staying with the team that drafted him and signing the max there. And I'd like them to be rewarded for how they built a team rather than losing for the sake of winning. Yeah, whatever. I don't really I do like it, the years of the Knicks winning close games and being like, see, we could have got Luca or it's a lottery. Shut up. <laughs> that was, I legit, that was I very tanking. impassioned. I appreciate I that. hate tanking with a passion. I and, hate and it, too. That's why I remember having this conversation. I know with over the summer where he wanted to you want like trade for Chris Paul will be a, a spunky six seed. Little mm-hmm. did we know that if we yeah, I know. Although we did like the one seed. Uh, okay. Uh, I think we're good here, right? I think we're good here. You can sign okay. us out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 Bernard, um, where can folks at home find you? You can find me on Twitter at Oz on movies and uh, big, big movie related news coming soon. It is coming soon. Yeah, it I'm, is. I'm privy to these conversations. So I could say for a fact that there is news coming soon. Um, I just hope to be a guest appearance occasionally on the news that's coming. <laughs> um, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Uh, stay, stay tuned for that. Uh, Andrew, did I forget anything? Uh, follow me on Twitter um, <laughs> at my at my Twitter account. Um, follow. Oh, you know what you can do? And what? I rarely tell people to uh, call to action and actually mean it on what? this podcast. Go to our Instagram at Nick's Film School and give us a follow. We're going to be putting more and more Instagram content out during the playoffs. We are. So. So I, I have two guys that barely use their Instagram on this podcast right now, but go to Nick's film school's Instagram. Give us a follow. We'll have interactive polls. We'll put our clips up from the podcast. Um, you can find our merch up there as well. Um, Nick's film school. Okay. Go follow us on Instagram and then it's movie related news coming soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, this was a lot of fun. Um, Yash, wherever you are, man, I hope, uh, I hope the salsa is spicy um, and uh, you're, you're not uh, barking up any wrong trees. You know what I'm talking about. Just going to leave that out there. <laughs>
And for everybody else who does not know anything about what I'm talking about, um, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We will be back with you after the Knicks play the playoff game. We'll be talking about it, which will be awesome, um, which will will hit your way on Monday. But until then, have a great weekend, and uh, let's go Knicks.